Hi, welcome to the Charlotte Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message and that it both encourages and inspires you. Hallelujah. Um, let's pray and let's get stuck into the Word, huh? Because I don't know about you, um, you know, when I go down the street and buy something from the shop, it's almost become a bit of a, you know, SAS mission, right? You just go in and come back out. So if I'm coming out to church, if I'm hanging out with people, it's because I want to hear from God, right? I'm not coming here because I need to tick a box. I can tune into the online service later on at five o'clock, but I'm here in the building in person because I'm believing that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is going to do something in my life. I don't know about you, right? I put myself out there because I'm hoping for a supernatural experience that is worth my while. Who knows what I'm actually saying? So for me, this next 30 minutes, even if it doesn't do anything for you, for me, I came out of the building and I brought my Bible because I want to encounter Jesus in this place. And I don't know about anybody else in this place, but if I encounter God, it was worth getting out of bed for. If I encounter God, it's worth going and seeing people for. If I encounter God, it's worth getting in my car for, right? I don't know about you, but I'm here to encounter God. The Bible says that His Word does not return void. It accomplishes what He wills, which means every single time we open the Bible, because people are like, I'm not feeling God. My emotions are all over the place. I get that. But every single time we open the Bible, we can guarantee, guarantee God promises it, signs it with His name that He is going to do something in our life. It might be obvious in the moment. You might even feel it as I'm preaching, something stirring in you. And it might pop up three days later, five days later, when you least expect it, God sowed something in there and the harvest happens just when you need it. But it will happen when we open the Word. Not because of me, not because I'm a great preacher or whatever, but because God anoints His Word. God supernaturally charges its Word. It's potent, it's pregnant, and it's ready to do something in the atmosphere. If you want to hear from God, maybe you're an atheist and you're like, I'll give it a go. Maybe you're on fire for God. I just want you to raise your hand. My hand's raised because I'm like, God, here I am. Pick me like a kid in class. Pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Speak to me, Lord. God, we're going to open Your Word. And we've come out of the building to open Your Word because we want You. We put aside everything else. God, I put aside my shopping list, all the things that I'm hoping to receive this year, all my hopes and dreams and aspirations. And all that I want in this moment is You, Lord God. I pray that You would accomplish Your will in this moment, like You promise in Your Word, Your will on earth as it is in heaven. God, if You're going to move today, pick me. In fact, as I preach, get me out of the way so people just see You in Jesus' Name. Amen. All right, surprise, surprise. I encountered a bizarre scripture the other day, but I know, I know, it's a shock. People who are new to our church are like, wow, he's onto a bizarre scripture. People that are in our church every week, could it be bizarre if I didn't pick a bizarre scripture? But this scripture is odd because it looks like nothing is happening. It looks, dare I say, boring. It's a scripture that it's very easy to gloss over in the Bible. I mean, I must have read it probably personally, maybe 150 times, and I never paid it any attention at all. It's seemingly uninteresting. It's not a cool quote. Nobody gets healed. No demons get cast out. No one gets saved in this verse. It's not some fascinating historical moment where a king gets crowned or, you know, a war happens. It's, it's in the New Testament, but it's not a letter of Paul. It's not the words of Jesus per se. It's not a surreal picture in Revelation. It's, 
it's just one sentence. It's a few words. It's easy to miss. And yet, like when you go fishing and the hook is on the fish, I, I just, I wasn't even looking for it. I was looking for something else and it just popped up. And it was like it hooked me in and I reeled myself in and I looked at it. It's changed the way I look at myself and other people in this pandemic. If you want to know what weird thing I found, turn with me in the Bible to the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 13. Luke, chapter 6, verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, you could Google that. Luke, L-U-K-E, space 6. And I'll load up Luke, chapter 6. Just scroll through to verse 13. If you don't have a Bible and you don't have reception, because this concrete building can wreak havoc with your reception, I've brought my Bible. I will read it to you and I'll chuck it on the screen as well. So you have got yourself covered. When you've got it, say, got it. If you need a minute, say, I need a minute. I'll wait for you. Luke chapter 6, verse 13. All right. This is what it says. At daybreak, he, being Jesus, everyone say Jesus, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. That's it. Let me, let me say that again in case you missed that. At daybreak, he called together, but him being Jesus, all of his disciples, and chose 12 of them to be apostles. So what's happening here in this verse? Well, he's basically saying that Jesus grabbed a group of disciples and he scooped out from amongst that group a bunch and he said, you're going to be the apostles. Now, you're wondering what that all means. The word disciple is a word that we don't kind of quite have an English translation for, but it roughly means student. It's all about the relationship you have with the teacher. Apostle is a very different word, though. The word apostle usually refers to people that are sent out for some kind of purpose. In fact, that's basically its literal meaning in the Greek, right? Often sent out as messengers for a purpose. So the word apostle is, is more about the mission that you're on. So yes, it's about the relationship with the person above you, but it's about the mission that that person actually gives you. Now, if you are a Greek nerd, if you are a Bible nerd, or if you're a historical buff, you're fascinated. But if you're not, you're probably either confused or bored or both, right? So allow me to reel you in for a moment. Basically, what's happening here in English is this. They are becoming different people right in front of our eyes. They are going from being fishermen to fishers of men. They are going from being followers to being leaders. They are going to be going from being students to actually becoming many teachers. There's a shift happening in this verse in the lives of these individuals, right? But there's actually something deeper than that, something more interesting than that. This verse is actually talking about how in the day-to-day life of people like you and like me, in the day-to-day life of ordinary human beings, ordinary Christians, ordinary non-Christians, that our life is like a cocoon process and we are constantly evolving and shifting things whether we are aware of it or not. It's not just about who we are right now, it's about who we are becoming and that's evidence in this verse See, our world focuses so much on who we are right now. 
what's happening right now, how I feel right now, what I'm saying right now, what I think right now, what I'm doing right now. And that's great. I'm not here to knock that. The Bible has heaps to say about the here and now. But there is something deeper happening in this verse. This verse has a great life hack. It's basically saying, imagine yourself on a treasure island. You have a chest of treasure and you're bearing it somewhere to collect later on. This verse is basically saying that every single person, people that are listening to me that are excited about what I'm saying and people that think I'm crazy, people that love Jesus and people that hate Jesus, every single human being is bearing something that they are gonna pick up later on. Whether you are aware of it or not, whether you want it or not, we are in a constant state of, for want of a better word, evolution. They were disciples, but they became apostles. What are you becoming? What are you evolving into? What are you putting in that treasure chest that you're going to dig up later on? You know, they had been working so hard, if you study everything that led up to this verse, on becoming the best disciples that they could be, they didn't actually even realise that in the background they were actually working hard to become apostles. It's like this. Imagine if you fell in love over the summer holidays. Maybe some people did. I don't know. Haven't heard the gospel. What's happening in our youth ministry? You never know. Love might have blossomed. And you've just started going out last week. You became official last week. But if things were brewing behind the scenes in the six or eight weeks before that, Although, yes, you were working on being friends, something else was actually happening in the background. And so though officially it might have shifted in a conversation, officially it might have shifted in a moment, it's actually been happening behind the scenes in the lead up to that moment. This verse is saying that our lives are actually like that. It's not restricted to our love life. It's not even just restricted to our church life. Every single part of our life is in a constant state of evolution, whether we are aware of it or not. And a shift can happen in the moment. And maybe you're ready for it. Maybe you even knew that it was coming. Or maybe if you study the apostles here, you had no idea it was gonna hit you. You were actually studying something else. And then bang, there's a shift. So what are you becoming? What are you changing into? What's shifting in your life? What's shifting in my life? What am I changing into? What's this church evolving into? Because everything is shifting. So they became something more. I thought, what's my something more? What's your something more? There are three things that I think stood out to me when I studied everything that happened to this verse in the disciples' lives. Three areas, if you will, three keys, if you want, three clues, if you're a murder mystery guy, that basically pointed to this moment. If you're taking notes, number one, everyone say number one. You become what you focus on. You become what you focus on. It's fascinating watching people all over the world and their response to the pandemic. Now, hear what I'm saying? I don't care if you're pro-vax and you think the vaccine is the greatest thing in the whole world, it solves all of the world's problems. I don't care if you're anti-vax and you think vaccines and the mandates are the worst thing in the world. I don't care if you love the government, 
I don't care if you hate the government. I'm not here to debate that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is focus. How much of your focus does that stuff actually take? In the first century world, the world that we find the disciples in, there were heaps of corrupt political systems of power. There was a whole bunch of things that were working against them. Life for the average Jewish person was at uh, best unfair and at worst sometimes cruel. They were dealing with all kinds of deadly diseases that were spreading like wildfire without the medicine to combat a lot of that stuff. There was all kinds of corruption and bits and pieces of that to do with the economy was not set up in their favour. And so prior to finding Jesus, a lot of the disciples were involved and rallying to resolve a lot of these things. They were involved in groups and had agendas and all of that kind of stuff. And then they found Jesus Christ and he became their primary focus, right? They were more interested on bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven than their own thoughts and their own ideas. Now, someone's gonna fire up and say, but does that mean that Christians shouldn't pay attention to what's happening in our world around us? No, of course not. In fact, if you believe that, you don't understand the Bible at all. Quite the opposite. But the difference is this. Rather than ask yourself when you see mess and sin and pandemics and all that, how you feel about it, what you think about it, what you should even do about it, what we need to do is search Scripture and find out what does Jesus think about it, how does Jesus feel about it, and what does Jesus want us to do about it and get on the same page as Jesus. Because if you do that, some wild and wacky and out there things might just take place. If you are a history nerd, you'll probably know this. If you study the histories of pandemics and severe diseases, particularly near the early church, they were incredible catalysts for the explosion of Christianity. In fact, People that were hard against Christianity softened their stance because of what Jesus did in those moments. And hey, I get it. I I see the news too. I understand what's happening in our society. Sometimes it doesn't feel like Christians are always on the poster child of most favourite people. Give us a wave if you know what I mean. So more than ever, don't you think we want to see Jesus soften people's hearts? But the key is getting on the same page as Jesus. So uh, for example... If you look at what happened uh, early in the plague periods of the Roman Empire, if you look at, um, say, the plague of Antoine, right, which happened in the second century, it killed off about a quarter of the Roman Empire, they think. That's a lot of people, right? A lot of people. But it's led to the spread of Christianity because Christian cared for the sick far and wide And they offered an alternative thought. Rather than the gods being angry and emotional and fickle and getting upset and unleashing this plague, quite possibly creation was just broken and needed a creator to come in and fix it right. And they demonstrated it and it shifted things and they were known for their crazy zeal for others and their love for this amazing God. There was another even more famous plague about 100 years later the plague of Cyprian, which is actually, believe it or not, named after a bishop, a man of God who preached wild and crazy sermons in the middle of this pandemic as everything sort of spread far and wide. Now, for all of the medical nerds, they think that this particular plague was actually related to Ebola. So it's, it's bad, right? You know, um, And so it's spreading all over the place. But it triggered explosive growth in Christianity because the bishop would preach not to stress 
about all the disease and the disaster and the stuff happening, but to look for opportunities to be Jesus wherever you are and watch what Jesus would actually do. Put yourself out there. Take a risk. Don't hunker down and just wait for this thing to be over. Look for the opportunities for the explosive growth about what Jesus could do in the world. And it was wild. In fact, one of the other bishops, I was just reading a quote, wrote, and I quote, heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need. Now, I know you're going to say, yeah, but Phil, that's just Christians patting other Christians on the back. True, but it's not just limited to that either. If you go even further and you look at the reaction of people who weren't Christians to Christians in the middle of this, it gets really interesting. There was this pagan emperor called Julian, right? He hated Christians, right? He hated Christianity. Um, He wouldn't even call them Christians. He called them Galileans, right? But he remarked at how shocked he was that Christians didn't just care for other Christians. They cared for people that weren't like them. They cared for people that hated them. They cared for people that turned their back on them. And it actually made him embarrassed when he looked at his own people at the response of these crazy Christians and how they redoubled their efforts when everybody else was fleeing. In fact, it actually talked about not only was there an explosive growth of Christianity, but I was reading about one historian who said, if you study the communities where there was more Christians than not, those communities had half the death rate of other cities. And so again, all of these systems of power, all of these people that were rallying against Christians prior to the plague and the pandemic shifted their attention and said, hmm, maybe there's actually something going on here. So in all of these examples... Nobody buried their head in the sand. That's not what I'm talking about. But people made Jesus Christ their focus in the middle of everything else. It wasn't about running the other way, pretending it wasn't happening. It wasn't about running into the fight and into the fire. It was about let's take a moment and breathe and catch our breath and say, Jesus, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? What are you feeling? What do you want me to feel? What are you thinking? What do you want me to think? That's what I'm actually saying. It's not about... Um, how we feel, it's about how Jesus feels. Because what you focus on, you become. If you focus on Jesus, you become more like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when I turn on the news, one thing I think our world needs is a whole lot of Jesus. Who knows what I'm actually saying? The solution to every problem is Jesus. Who knows what I'm saying? The solution to the issues in your workplace is Jesus. The solution to the issues in your family is Jesus. The solution to the issues with your friends is Jesus. The solution to the issues in your finances is Jesus. The solution to your next door neighbours is Jesus. The solution to the people across from you is Jesus. The solution to the issues in the school that your kids attend is Jesus. The solution to what's happening in our medical wards is Jesus. Jesus is the solution to every single problem. So the best thing that you can do is focus on Jesus so you become more like Jesus so there's more Jesus in your school more Jesus in your workplace more Jesus in your family more Jesus in your circle of friends what we need more of is Jesus so he needs to become our focus it's not about burying our head in the sand but we need to be more like Jesus because if we're more like Jesus a whole bunch of things will change what's your focus what are you fixated on right now in your life I know someone's going to say, well, what does that matter? I mean, focus, big deal. Yeah, so much is linked to focus. I have too much time to get into it, but expectations and focus go hand in hand. What you focus on, you begin to place expectations on. Energy and focus go hand in hand. What you focus on, your energy goes into. 
a whole bunch of things revolve around. Focus is like the sun and all the other things begin to revolve around it like a planet, right? So what is your focus? If you're studying, for example, have you been focused on your study or have you allowed other things to distract you from doing that? If you were in a relationship, like I was saying before, if you're giggling going, that's me, I found love, um, you know, what's your focus? Or are you allowing other things to get in the middle of that relationship? Because Jesus puts different things in place in our life. That's the key. Yes, it's scripture. Yes, it's worship. And I'll talk about that in a minute. It's prayer, all that stuff. But Jesus also does put things in place in our life. Don't go home and say, well, Phil has just said that my focus needs to be Jesus. So I'm quitting my job and uh, you know, I'm quitting my family and uh, I'm just going to buy a caravan, and just travel around focusing on Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus has given us things to do, right? But the question is, are we actually focused on those things or are we being distracted by other things? And even in the middle of those things, are we bringing Jesus into that thing? If Jesus has told you to build a business, build a business, right? But are you bringing Jesus in the middle of that business? If Jesus has called you to be a school teacher, teach, right? But in the middle of that, how can you bring Jesus to that? How can you keep Jesus your focus while still running after the things that Jesus has told you to run after? Because the things you focus on are the things you become more like, right? I don't know about you, but... I've seen people leave a job or even leave serving in a department in church and they leave different. They leave less than. And I sometimes wonder if that's because their focus was so much on what they were doing, they weren't actually focused on who they were becoming, what they were evolving into, what Jesus was actually stirring in their heart. If you believe that, say amen. A lot can happen in two years. You know, I realised we're in February. COVID first hit two years ago. Two years. Now, I don't know about you. People up in Queensland are smarter than Victorians, I think. But down in Victoria, we thought this thing would have been over by now. When it first happened, we thought maybe a few months... Definitely by the end of the year, it'd all blow over. Anyone like that? Anyone know any Victorians that were thinking like that? None of you were thinking like that for sure. You know. And so when it started, we all kicked into survival mode. We're all staring at the numbers every day, had the thing on in the background, looking at all these different websites. People that weren't on social media suddenly got on social media. People that were on it hated it, got off it. You know, this whole thing just happened. This big roller coaster, this washing machine, so to speak, right? So we all got into this thing and, and that's fine. I'm actually not critical of that. You know, you've got to do what you've got to do to survive. But survival's not meant to go for two years. Survival's meant to go for a shorter period of time, a few weeks maybe, right? So you get a bit all over the place just to survive. You focus on all that just to survive. That's fine. But it's actually been two years and a lot can happen in two years. In fact, you could go from being a year 12 dropout to having a degree in two years. You could go being single to being married with kids in two years. Who knows what I'm saying, right? You go being from a renter to a homeowner in two years. You could go from being jobless to being in a high paying job in two years. Uh, You could go from being an atheist to a church leader in two years. Hello, who knows what I'm saying? A lot can actually happen in two years. The question is, what are you focused on? To do any of those things, you actually have to be focused So I'm asking you, what are you becoming? What will you become in two more years? Where will you be 
what will you have evolved into? They went from being disciples to apostles. Where will you be in two years? Sidebar. Let me give you some advice. This is what I did when I got to this point and I was studying this. I went back and pulled out all the old prophecies from before the pandemic that I had. I pulled all the prophecies out about our church before the pandemic. I looked at my goals for 2020. Say, well, that year went down the toilet. I get that, but I looked at them anyway. And I looked at the goals the year before, and I looked at the goals the year before that. And I put myself in the mindset of where I was at the start of that year. And I thought, I'm going to go back to that. And I'm not saying that this thing isn't hard that we're going through. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that there aren't restrictions and there aren't issues and there aren't problems. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you don't have to think outside the box. I'm definitely not saying that. But I am saying that the scripture that Igor read out before, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever, still applies. If God gave you a word before, then it still applies. If God gave you a vision before, then it still applies. If God was stirring something in your heart before, then it still applies. And maybe you've gotten a little bit unfocused and a little bit distracted. It's time to refocus on the things that God's actually called you to do. Because I don't know when this thing is gonna be over. I pray it is over soon, but I tell you what, if it goes for another two years, I don't wanna look back at two wasted years. I wanna look back and say, God, gave me a vision and I had to think outside the box and I had to do it a little bit differently, but I achieved what God wanted me to achieve and I became who God wanted me to become. Because I refuse to let outside forces dictate what God is doing in my life. I will not give them my attention. I will not give them my focus. Jesus is my focus. He is the potter and I am the clay, right? And I refuse to let anybody else mould me with their agenda and their vision and their ideals. I'm gonna go back to the potter and say, what do you want me to do? I'll do that. Because if we could think like that, then it actually doesn't matter what's happening outside these doors. It's just me. But that's the first thing I noticed. I noticed something else. Number two, everyone say number two. You become what you follow. You become what you follow. So the disciples followed Jesus. They became a lot more like Jesus. What are you following? Therefore, what are you becoming? Now, You can follow things in lots of different ways. And sometimes it's who you physically follow around, if you think about my kids when they're hungry. But it could be other things. Someone's probably going to shout out, what about social media? Sure, who you follow on social media, that's true. But I actually think it's more nuanced, more subtle than that. It's who we follow in our hearts. That's really important, I think. Who we follow with our emotions. What our thought life follows. We can follow lots of things in lots of different ways. I could define them all, but I'm not going to do for the sake of time. But whatever you follow, you will become like. So if you follow lots of depressed and despondent people, you will become very depressed and despondent. If you follow lots of upbeat, positive, faith-filled people, you'll become like that. That's, by the way, why I think it's so awesome that you're in church. I just refuse to follow a lot of that stuff. I want to follow good things. 
Sometimes it's not even about what the pastor says. That's why I go to church when I'm on holidays. It's not about whether he's a good preacher or it's a bad preacher. I just want to follow the Bible. I want to be more like Jesus, right? But what you follow, you become. I used to be on the road a lot for work, right? I used to be in the car, you know, 20 plus hours a week. And so I listened, I followed a lot of podcasts. Now, I love, I love the news. And so it's very hard to find unbiased news. Who knows what I'm actually saying? It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you sit on. Everyone has a strong opinion. And so to try and get an unbiased sort of take on what was going on, I'd listen to both sides, right? Listen to this side of politics, listen to that side of politics, listen to this opinion, listen to the opposite opinion, and try to pick at that what I thought was a balanced viewpoint. You know, I would listen to <clears throat> the news and I'd listen to a podcast about the news. I'd listen to a podcast with people commenting on the news opinions of the people that were listening to the news and then I listened to the podcast of people that were complimenting on that you know it was just then I'd go and I'd arrive wherever I was going to arrive I'd wait 10 minutes for the person to come out and I'd be reading social media about the people commenting on the people who were commenting on the people commenting on the news I'm doing all of this right I remember it was when the whole Trump thing was firing up so I listened to the right side of politics right and they would be fired up and angry that all the People that are upset at Trump, why can't they just let him be? And they were angry and they were ranting and they listened to other people that were angry on their behalf. They were depressed at this seemingly never-ending amount of attacks that were coming from the other side of the political aisle and they became somewhat hopeless about the fact that maybe it'll never change. Maybe we've got to become a socialist nation, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I'd listen to that for a few hours and then I'd go and listen to the other side, you know, get balanced viewpoint, Right. They were angry about what a moron Donald Trump is. Why is he doing all this stuff? So they were angry and then there were people commentating on that. They were angry at the people commentating who weren't angry enough. And then the next person would jump on and they would talk about how depressing and despondent it was because his popularity was going up. And so that was all of that. And, you know, and then it was hopeless. And, you know, maybe there's no point in running against him. We just can't win. So I listened to all of that for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And I found something very unusual in my life. I found myself getting more angry, more depressed, more despondent, and more hopeless and jaded. I couldn't understand where it was coming from. I love Jesus. I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm in church every week. I didn't understand what it was. I started to think about it. And then I realised what you follow, you become. So I did something very weird. I'm not as spiritual as you. You would have gone on a 40-day fast, no doubt, in a mountain somewhere. I didn't do that. You would have shunned and McCunded, pulled out your spiritual warfare handbook and rebuked a demon of this, rebuked it. I didn't do that either. This is what I did. I just cut back on the amount I was listening to. I didn't throw it all out. I'm not one of those people that's like, don't you know, don't know what's going on. I, you know, I still listen. I just didn't listen to as much. I just scaled back, unfollowed a whole bunch of accounts. Maybe I didn't need the commentary five levels deep. Maybe I could just listen to the news and didn't need to listen to 50 people commenting on the people that were commenting on, the people that were commenting on, the people that were commenting on. So I just scaled it back. And I thought I've got to put something in its place. So I put on more worship. I put on more positive preaching. Just, you know, just people that were just positive and full of hope. And, um, and you know, I put on some... I put on some audio books that were really like about, you know, thinking big and dreaming big and not letting the world get you down. Started putting on all that stuff, right? And I've got to be honest, at first, I got really angry when I was listening to this stuff. I'm like, don't these people know what's going on in the world right now? It's going to hell in a handbasket and they're ignoring it. They're a bunch of ostriches. How can you sing to God like that? Pray, intercede, go after. So I got very upset at first, I'll be honest. 
And then I went from being upset to being like, oh. And then the weirdest thing happened in a few weeks. I started to be more happy. I started to be more hopeful. I started to tell people, it's cool. God's got this. He's on the throne. Something actually began to shift in my life. And I realised I'd been following the wrong things. We sometimes look at a point like this and we're like, well, I already follow Jesus, tick. I'm already a Christian, tick. And that's great, but there's more going on here than that. I was already a Christian. I was a pastor. I was preaching, but I've gotten so busy following all of these things. It actually was what I was becoming. What are you becoming? What are you following? Can I say this in love? Some of you need to get some new friends. You're following the wrong friends. You're going to become like them. And I know that they're lovely and all that, but they're not here. They're not in your head, right? Just think for a moment, do you really want to be more like that? Hello. Some of you need to find some new preaching. I'm not saying anyone here is like that, but I've known in my time, weird Christians listen to weird preaching. Who knows what I'm saying, right? I'm just like, why is that person so weird? Who's your favourite preacher? He's a weirdo. Um, like, mate, that's why you're weird too. Some of you need to listen to some new music. Some of you just need to, you know, it's like, what am I supposed to do? Cut my parents out? No, but maybe you don't have to chat to them every single day for two hours about everything they're upset about. Maybe you need to maybe not be some people's support network because the volume of time you're giving them is actually toxic for you. Who knows what I'm saying? Come on, if you believe it, say amen. Some of you just need to bring your emotions back in line. Hello, I'm not following you anymore. You're following me. <laughs> The thought life, just rein it in. I'm just not going to follow that pattern of thought. It's destructive. I'm just not going to let it go. I'm going to put a line out because what you follow, you become. What are you becoming? Give us a wave if you know what I'm saying, right? What are you becoming? You are becoming something more guaranteed. That's the point of this scripture. They did not even think that they were going to become the apostles. They were so focused on being the disciples, but something else was happening in the background. You don't even realise what is actually happening, but something is happening. I know it. I've lived it. You know it. You've lived it. And yes, it might mean we have to leave some stuff behind and that can be hard. We might have to pick up some new things, that can be hard. Believe me, I understand what that is like. But what's more important than what you're picking up and what you're putting down is who are you becoming? What are you gonna be like in two years? What are you gonna be like in five years? If you believe it, say amen. So the last thing I noticed, because that wasn't the only thing either, about these crazy disciples who became the apostles was this. Number three, everyone say number three. My last point is this. You become what you repeatedly do. You become what you repeatedly do. Now, here's the real kicker. Because I'm not preaching rocket science. I don't think I'm the first person on planet Earth to ever think this, right? I've been in moments just like this where the Holy Spirit was knocking on my heart and speaking to me. And I'm like, yes, Lord, yes. I see that. I've got to cut that out. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And then I have had the most awesome, blissful, full of heaven two weeks I've ever had in my entire life, right? And then pretty soon I ended up doing the same old things, right? And it's interesting, as a result of that, nothing really changed. Does anyone know what I'm talking about, right? You do something, it's all great, it's for a couple of weeks, bang. Nothing changes long term. And the thing I noticed about the disciples is they weren't disciples for a weekend, they didn't give it, oh, Jesus, we'll just give it a crack for a couple of hours. We'll just see how we feel after that. No, 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 no. They locked in. 
They did this consistently. They had very, very simple things, but they put them on repeat again and again and again and again, right? You want to become a great business person? Here's a tip for all the young people. Like, how do I do it? It takes time. But oh, Phil, I've been doing it for three weeks. Yep, it takes longer than that to become a great business person, right? You want to become a great athlete? The Olympi- Winter Olympics are on. Can't wait to watch luge and all those crazy things. All the cool running stuff, get it out, bobsledding. It takes time. Nobody just decides, I'm just going to go to the Olympics next week. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to give it a go. It takes time to become a great athlete. Want to become a new person, all those new year, new people. It takes time. And not only time, but to repeatedly do something over time. All right, can I get a pet peeve off my chest? Celebrities who have a baby and three months later addition out parenting advice. Who knows what I'm actually saying? Your kid is like eight weeks old, bro. You You might be a great parent. I don't want to be critical because I love Jesus. I want to be loving. You might be the greatest parent on planet Earth. But the jury's still out. You're eight weeks into that, right? They're putting up these routines and their tips and they're coaching people. And then there's people out there that have got kids that are like, I should change everything I'm doing. That celebrity really seems to know what they're talking about. Their makeup is on point. Why wouldn't we listen to her? We did this relationship series last year for those who are new to our church. It was really cool. Um, we invited uh, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Susie Kennedy. You know why? Because I know these guys. I know their kids are all grown up and they've got grandkids, which means they didn't repeatedly do it for eight weeks. (laughs) They did it a lot longer than that. They've not been married, you know, for one month and they're already like, here's my 10 steps to a healthy marriage. It's like, maybe it's healthy. I don't know, you're a month in, right? You know, they've been doing it a long time. They didn't have their first grandchild last week and they're dishing out grandparent advice, right? They'd been doing it for a long period of time. You become what you repeatedly do. So I know that they are great parents. They do have a great marriage. They are great grandparents. Who knows what I'm actually saying, right? So here's what I'm suggesting, right? I'll get the keys up. I'll wrap up, right? Here's what I'm suggesting. Remember how like two years ago when the pandemic hit, we all had these crazy goals? I don't know, probably not up here in Queensland. You're very sensible here. But in Victoria, they weren't sensible, right? Everybody talking about how they're going to become the greatest gardener, the greatest baker. There's this garage that was going to get cleaned and transformed. Blokes signing up to Pinterest to create a pin board of all these things that are going to happen in their garage. Weird and wild stuff. But better stuff as well. People were saying they were going to become great parents going to be a great husband, going to be a great wife, we're going to be a great grandparent, people saying they were going to be great musicians, plenty of people saying they were going to be great Christians, they were going to start by reading the Bible every day, they're going to do all these things, right? Whatever it is, here's my advice, go back to that, go and pick that back up. The bad part about this pandemic is it isn't over, but the good part about that is that gives you a do-over gives you an opportunity to pick all that stuff back up. So you know how you were going to become a better parent? Well, you, you, you can still do that. You know how you were going to, you know, reorganise that shed? That's terrifying that you're sure there's at least three brown snakes that live in it because they're feeding off the mice that are living in the other side, right? There's still time to clear that out. Don't call me. I don't want to help you. I don't want to get bitten. But, you know, I'll be praying for you. You know, there's still time to do it. There's still time to work on your marriage. There's still time to become a better business person. There's still time to sort things out with you and God. There's still time to work on your heart. There's still time to go back to all those old goals, old dreams, 
old prophetic words, because hello, that's something that God uses to realign you. There's still time to pick up that stuff and get back into that. And maybe it means you'll have to shift your focus away from things. Things that are not even necessarily bad things. You just haven't invited Jesus into that thing. And when you did, He was like, I don't want you focused on this. I want you focused on this. I don't want you doing that. I want you doing this. That can be tough. But remember, what you focus on, you become. Which means if you focus on not just Jesus in a simplistic sense, like don't go home and print out a picture of Jesus and just whack it on every wall. But, you know, when you do do that and you're looking at the picture of Jesus, think to yourself, what does Jesus want right now? And it might be that you started a uni course and you dropped out. He wants you to pick that back up. It might be that He was challenging you to be a better parent. I don't know, maybe that sourdough recipe you were trying to nail, it was something in that because you're supposed to bring your kids into that and you were supposed to have some bonding time together. I don't know, whatever it might be, shift your focus, shift your focus because what you focus on, you become. Maybe it's not that at all. Maybe it's about what you follow. Some of you need to unfollow some social media accounts. Now unfollow some friends. Hello. Maybe it's about cutting back, like I was saying. It's not about being in sin. I'm not asking anyone to go and repent on their hands and knees because, you know, they watch too much of the news channel. It's just about, come on, like, let's just, just have a balanced diet, right? Maybe you're listening to some music you shouldn't listen to. I don't know. Maybe there's just thought patterns that you know are destructive and you just need to break those not do that anymore. But the thing is, you've got to do that for more than like a week and a half. <laughs> Don't be that celebrity parent, you know, that's like eight weeks in and thinking that, you know, we've got to consistently do those things. Uni degree takes time. Becoming a doctor takes time. Becoming a great parent takes time. Becoming a great gardener takes time. Things take time. And the disciples invested the time, which is why they became the apostles. Maybe you felt all this before. Maybe even this happened at the start of the pandemic. I wasn't here when it first hit Queensland. So maybe you heard a sermon just like this and you got all fired up and you were awesome for like two weeks. Start again. It's okay. You've still got time. It isn't over. It isn't finished. I am Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. You can connect with us at shilohchurch.com.au.